This is Remote Patrol, the podcast for the TV Obsessed. I'm Jason Hawk in the good old US of A, and I'm here on Skype with Allison Downing and Richard Smith of the UK to talk about Quantum Leap. Woohoo! Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm not sure that I have the, the enthusiastic response that Allison did. Uh, you see, I do love it. I do. <laughs> For, for odd reasons, um, for probably obvious reasons, but I also get angry with it, and, and I'm sure we're going to talk way much about that. Can I just? Show. I'm going to make one thing very clear from the offset. This is the be- second best television show ever made. <laughs> Behind what? Star Trek. What about The Wire? Third. Okay. What about Star Trek: The Next Generation? Um, um, it's all Star Trek. Oh, you can't have all that. You see, no. Yeah, you can. Different. Yeah, you can. It's cheating, isn't it, Jason? It's all. It is. All of Star Trek is equally brilliant. If anything, we exclude Voyager, and then the wire, uh, then Quantum Leap, then the Wire, then oh, I don't know. I haven't ever thought it through to fourth place, but Quantum Leap is number two. I have some things to pick at about Quantum Leap. Uh, Quantum Leap, not Leak. That would be different. That, yeah. But there are 96 episodes, just to be fair, let, let's point that out. I have seen five. Yeah. So I, I don't think that uh, it might be fair for me to to really fire a whole lot of bullets your way. Okay. This is a show that was 1989 to 1993, so there's a little bit of dating going on too. But IMDb users say it gets 8.1 out of 10. So there's some validation at least, a, a little bit of validation for Rich. They're wrong. It's 10 out of 10. <laughs> No, it's not. It's it the second best two. television program ever made. No. That means if you name any television program except Star Trek, then Quantum Leap is better. That's that's quite a thing. You can't do that with any other show. The apart Wire. from The Wire. And then you just can't name Quantum Leap in Star Trek. You see how this goes. Yeah. You made a little bit of a flub up before we started recording, Rich, and I want to know how you actually say it. Are you going to say Scott Bakula just to humor uh just to humor us Americans? Or is it Bakula? Well, the thing is, we've never heard it said. He's, we only know him from Quantum Leap and Star Trek here and various films. And he's never interviewed here or anything like that. I've, I've only ever heard him say it as Bacula. So if you, that's how he says it, then... Have you heard him say it? That's, yeah. Because I've grown up all my life thinking that he's called Bacula. And even William Shatner said Bacula. And, and I was talking to somebody yesterday morning about him, and she called him Bacula. Yeah, but William Shatner said Bacula. I think even if his name is officially Bakula, once William Shatner has decided it's Bakula, then it's Bakula. What so do you I, think, Jeff? I'm not going to argue with William Shatner. I think it's right? a moot point because I don't care about Scott Bakula. Uh, I care about Dean Stockwell. And you're going to hear me say that over and over and over again. I don't know how many episodes we're going to talk about tonight or, or over the span of the next couple of weeks. I don't know how many we're going to cover. But in the ones that I've seen so far... Wow, Al is just so much more of an engaging character than Sam is. I don't care about Sam. I think he's completely boring. I like Al. He's the one with the personality. Al's amazing. So let me just check. You've you've seen the ones that we've we've actually watched a lot of these tonight. We started watching Quantum Leap again over the weekend and have just sort of randomly gone through a couple. But the ones we were going to watch for this show, we've watched tonight. So that's the the season one episode, Right Hand of God. Uh, season two episodes, Jimmy and MIA. And then uh, the leap home part one and two from season three, and those which are... I hope that we don't get quite as far as the leap home tonight because I yeah, don't know I... those by far the best episodes that I've seen so far. And like I told you a little bit earlier when we were chatting back and forth uh, on on our phones, I really think that every episode that I've seen so far, that progression that you listed, those five episodes, each one has gotten better. So oh, I have yeah. hope. Definitely. It, 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 it's, it's a series that just got better and better as it went on. And as I was saying to you earlier, season five, every episode is brilliant. 
And you, you so rarely get that in television. But every episode of season five is absolutely brilliant. And, and its best episodes are in season five. It's just such a shame that the, the selection on Netflix is so limited. There are things to pick out about that. The, the episode that we're going to start off talking about tonight, The Right Hand of God, October 24th, 1974, that is not the pilot. And it's throwing me off because I feel like I've missed a lot of establishing information, a lot of uh, backup information that could come in helpful and maybe explaining some of the little anomalies that I'm uncomfortable with. Well, and- but it's the first one that's available on Netflix streaming. So damn you, Netflix. Yeah, it's actually episode four. Uh, now, when I first saw the show, it was from se- what I'd later figured out to be season two onwards. So I I hadn't even seen any of season one. You you've gone back and you understand where I'm coming from. Now. Oh yeah, and I've I've seen season one many times since it originally aired. I've got this is another series. They're all on DVD upstairs, and every year or so I'll just sit and watch my way through them. It helps that they're on TV in the afternoons now as well in HD, which is very nice. Mm. Hey, before we actually jump into the episodes, guess what I have? What do you have? I have the theme song. It's right here. Go and do it. It all started when a time travel experiment I was conducting went a little caca. In the blink of a cosmic clock, I went from quantum physicist to Air Force test pilot, which could have been fun if I knew how to fly. Fortunately, I had help. An observer from the project named Al. Unfortunately, Al's a hologram, so all he can lend is moral support. Anyway, here I am, bouncing around in time, putting things right that once went wrong. Sort of time-traveling Lone Ranger with Al as my contour, and I don't even need a mask. dancing going on here now i've got some sound clips to play later in the show but just for right now can we at least agree that the, the theme song sucks a little bit no i love the theme song um I, I like it because in the style of uh dallas and dynasty it's nice and big and it's very very 80s it's big but jaunty it's jo- it is big yeah. i agree but it's not big like dallas is big because dallas is big because it's about texas and it's big in a cowboy way, lots of brass things and a disco beat and wah-wah guitar. The, the theme tune, it's just one of those that I will always remember what the show is. I have a, a, a strange affliction that I don't really recognise music that is just instrumental in a lot of ways. Richard Honestly, really does. It's bizarre. You, you have one of the best music recall systems. I'm talking bullshit. No. The best music, whatever that is, that, the ability could, to recall yeah. music. Yeah. I can play you the opening second of anything from 1980 to 1989, and you'll tell me what it is and who it was and when it came out and, and the, the chart the position song. and finish the song. Yeah, but when it comes to just yeah, I can't play you a TV theme tune and you know what it is. Rubbish at that. It, I can remember one Christmas at your your parents' house oh. and your dad had done that quiz that took hours and hours and hours. That was and, horrible. <laughs> no, that was horrible. It was an insight into the Smith family. It was like my first Christmas at your house. It's I like, couldn't believe it. Shit, is this what it's like? My, my, we stayed, this it's was like having th- an exam. So we'd been together probably about six months. We stayed at my parents' house for Christmas and my dad made a game. <laughs> right. It was an exam. It, it, yeah, he wanted to make it a quiz, but it was it was like an exam, and it went on for hours. 
And the, Terrible. There was just a whole round of, of soundtracks and, and theme tunes, and I was just sat there like, yeah, don't know. And, so and your the Smith father, family. the headmaster, wanted yeah. to give test. Yes. Yeah. Is it, that's, that's characteristic of him? Yes. No, not really. He what? just likes his games, and I think he overstretched himself a bit with that one. <laughs> it was He massive. thought it'd be a fun quiz, but four hours later, it was not fun. Like, Hang on, there's just another hundred questions. Like, how am I supposed to what? know the tune to flipping Ironside? You know um, that you the, there was nothing you hadn't seen. You just have terrible instrumental music recall. I do, I do. But Quantum Leap, you know. Yeah, and, and, and Star Trek. always, always remember it. I bet you know Star Trek as well. I do, yeah. There you go, you see. It's it's just a wonderful theme tune. It's on my phone. I'd listen to it regularly. It should be my ringtone. It should, really. I'm going to do that. There you go. Why didn't you like theme tune? It's just very, um, trying to find the word for it, dumb. If you skip ahead, I think it might just be season <laughs> five, but season four, they change it. Actually, I captured a different theme. Uh, it's not really necessarily the different theme, but a different lead-in. It seems like they changed the, uh, the the exposition that they gave at the beginning of the theme quite a bit. Yeah, they shorten it because they're kind of like, guys, it's season three, catch up, you know, if you don't get it by now. You're not, but you're not gonna get the, um, the, the, the keyboard that's gone in season five, is that what you're saying? Oh, the whole th- it changes. It becomes much more synth-based. I, I don't think you'll like it anymore, but they <laughs> do change it. It's, it's worth a listen. You see, don't you think it gets a bit more exciting after the bridge? It does, and they show pictures of him fighting and flying fighter jets and stuff. It's exciting. It, it... I, I like the part right up until it tinks in with the main melody. Right. If it were just the exposition part, and then it gave like a big long and focused in on whatever scene you you, you know your your establishing scene. Yeah. You're whoa! I just leaped in and I'm confused. Scene. I'd be fine with that. They don't have to go into the the weird like 1981 ballad kind of playing along on the keyboard kind of music. Oh, well, we'll have to agree to disagree, but it, it, it <laughs> is like perfect, it. and you're wrong. It's so, got I'm, Bon so, Tempe sorry, charm. Sorry. It's it's, it's got Bon Tempe charm. That's what it's got. So the premise, you, you pretty much hear it right there in the theme, but Sam Beckett can travel anywhere in time. Uh, a 40-year window between 1953 and 1993, though. It's not like he's going back to, uh, to pal around with the dinosaurs. It's, it's time traveling within his own lifetime. See, that always threw me because, well, first of all, let me get this out of the way. I didn't see this show when it was on the air. When this show was on the air, I lived out in the, goon- the boonies, and it was a place where we only got one TV station. She was really. Yeah, yeah, it was like way out in the sticks. Did he used to whittle? <laughs> no, we did play outside though, which is a, a lost art. Oh, yeah, <laughs> had a big, so, ju- a big jug with three X's on the side that they'd blow in for music and that sort of thing. Well, our music came primarily from spoons. It was a spoon right, based music. Economy. Yeah, and washboards yeah. and things like that. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> but I missed Quantum Leap. So the only thing that I ever really knew about it was what people would reference. What was it was just always that first lead-in where they talk about you know theorizing that you could travel within your own lifetime. I thought that that meant that Sam thought that he would be able to perfect time travel if he worked on it hard enough within his own lifetime. Right. So he doesn't really get up to that. No. The the point is is that it goes wrong because he's not willfully leaping it goes wherever like, he wants. Ka is where it goes yeah. if you listen to the. The, the first bit, he says it goes a bit caca, which in, in Britain means poo. As a kid, though, I didn't know that. I just heard, you, you know, he was working to try to get it right, and that he thought that before he died, he probably would fix it. He does leap in beyond his own lifetime on, I think, three occasions. I, I read a little bit in the wiki about that. He leaps within Al's lifetime. Yeah. 
And he, he leaps into his own grandfather at one point as well, because oh. there's a, a Civil War episode where he frees a slave and stuff. All right. Going way back in time. Yeah. Well, how's that anomaly explained then, if I you can only remember. travel in his own lifetime? 93-odd episodes. See, this is, uh, how do they explain that anomaly? It is explained. It's something no, something that's struck universal by about lightning. this show. It's not factually correct. <laughs> no, it's like that's an anomaly. Explain that. No, we won't bother. We'll just go to the next scene. La 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 la. Pretend it all works. So this is the bi- the first big thing that I'm hoping that you can explain to me, Rich. Okay. When Sam leaps around in time, he doesn't just go there. He goes and takes the place of another person. Yes. So he can he can set wrong what once went right in that person. Whoops. He can set right what once went wrong. Yeah. The other way would be really weird. That would be fucking evil, actually. That happens <laughs> in season five with the evil leaper. Oh, right. Okay. There's a oh, woman there who's really? leaping around, putting wrong what once went right. Is that like in Knight Rider when they bring in Carr? Yes. The, the evil kit? Yes. And, oh, no. And so there are two episodes where he meets the evil Leaper. So uh, he, he, he sets right what went, went wrong, but he does it in the body of somebody else. So yes. here's my question. Where does that other person go the, when Sam is in his body? The other person, I've just explained this to Alison uh-huh. actually before we turn the mics on. The other person ends up in the waiting room at Project Quantum Leap. They swap. So when they go back to their own timeline, they know all about this other alien abduction that's happened. No, they f- they forget about it and, and everything. Because of this convenient Swiss cheese memory. Thing. Yes. Yeah, yes. only get the zap with that blue light that they borrowed out of Men in Black. Okay. Then on the, the Commodore Amiga 1500 with a video toaster card. There you go. <laughs> oh, I'm full of it. <laughs> you are. Oh, yeah. Quite literally. So that's what happens. There is even an episode. I don't know which one it is off the top of my head. It's a really good one where Sam leaps into a guy who is holding a woman and her daughter hostage in a house surrounded by the police, and the guy who is in the waiting room escapes, and Al has to go and find him and bring him back before the police break into the house in the past and kill Sam. It's really exciting. What, Question what the second. Because uh, here's another one that you got to clear up for me. Okay. When Sam leaps into somebody else's body, to what extent is he hampered or changed or affected by that person? Does he does he take on? Because it's really unclear in the episodes that I've seen so far. When he leaps into somebody else's body, he is so confused. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? He he can barely stammer out a sentence. He doesn't really communicate very well. He seems like he's not able to get along too well after the leap. Well, I, I think that they have to sort of build that in because it would be weird. In you know, if that was you, you you've got to immediately figure out who you are. And who the person who first talks to you is. It seems like in some situations, though, he has knowledge that the other person had. Sometimes. Like there's some bleed over between the two personalities or the two the two brains. Sometimes there is. You see, a, a brilliant one to watch for, for that is the Lee Harvey Oswald one, which isn't on Netflix. That is an absolutely brilliant but one, that, especially for of, the stuff you're talking about now. Some of that is just gained wisdom, though, isn't it, over being alive? Sam knows things from his life. And he gets the, better at the transition as the series progresses. Yeah. You've got to get good at it, haven't less. you? You've yeah. got to get good at it. Because I imagine it to be quite shaking at, at various points. So, I, I don't know. There is, I think it said at one point that it actually, the time period between leaps is actually months between that, until they actually find him again and send Al back to see him. Months? So, yeah, but we see it instantly for televisual purposes. I don't, I don't know. There are some things that are fairly ambiguous and not covered particularly well. 
Like, because it's not a science fiction show. It's just a show that uses science fiction as the premise. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets more interesting and more confusing and less consistent when he starts leaping into bodies that aren't men. You know, because there's one where he's a monkey. And they have the <laughs> whole thing like, well, he's walking upright. And that confuses them, so he has to pretend to walk like a monkey. And Are you serious? The, yeah. That's that's actually quite a good one. Uh, and there's there's several where he, he becomes a woman. And it's like, to what extent, when people who perceive him to be a woman interact with him, what, you know, because there's, there's severe body part differences there. What would be possible and what could potentially happen to him or what wouldn't work? I don't, I don't know. But for the purposes of the show, that's, it's not really necessary to delve into that. We've got to assume that he takes on their full physical form, really. But he he does and he doesn't. It, it changes and it, it depends on what is convenient for the particular episode. Well, we always see who it is in the mirror, don't we? We always see who it is in the mirror. But, like, for example, one of the ones where he becomes a woman, it's easy enough to say, well, he becomes like a woman, but then they make a point of the fact that he can knock someone out like Sam can. Yeah. And so it doesn't quite make sense. So it, it depends what's convenient for the story. It's best to just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk more about that when we talk about Jimmy. Yeah. Because that was my big question about that episode. It, when when Sam jumps into Jimmy's body, does he become mentally retarded? But let's uh, let's talk about the first season episode first. Okay. Uh, this is The Right Hand of God. October 24th, 1974 is the date that it happens on, not the date that it actually ran on TV. Yeah. Uh, Sam leaps into a boxer that is owned by a convent of nuns who need him to win a boxing match to finance their new chapel. That's that's the IMDb description. Yeah, it, weird. It was, Straight off, why, what, nuns, uh, boxers, gambling. Why it's not? A bit, it's all a bit wrong, isn't it, in the eyes of God? Catholic nuns, Irish Catholics, Irish boxing. Fair play. These are Californian nuns. Father McCready or something, boxing, nuns. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, see what you're saying. So we've we've already sort of established that link between nuns and boxers in cinema. That's that's it. There you go. <laughs> okay. No, and, and Irish people, wanna, obviously. I don't want to jump up by you know starting off a negative footing here, but I got to say I got all excited during that opening voiceover montage because it showed Sam with Terry Hatcher right at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. I thought I was going to get to watch Terry Hatcher. No, she's yeah. in another episode. Okay, was that one of the ones that I that we missed? Episode one, two, and three. Uh, entirely possible. I don't know which. I don't, I don't know which episode it is. It's. It's. He leaps into her college professor, and he's. Her, she's actually his wife, but he meets her as a college student. Is it a pretty common theme in the show that he leaps into somebody who has a girlfriend and he gets to bang the girlfriend? Yeah, it's convenient, isn't it? It seems like it's a little bit of cheesecake going on. I'm never one to complain about that kind of thing, but. I'm I'm happy for it in this this episode. There right are several here. that start with him banging the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> you know, when you think about the grand scheme of things, a lot of people are in relationships, so it makes sense for him to be in a relationship with the person that he leapt into. I just see that bit as his reward for continued good work. Uh, yeah. You get to bang someone's girlfriend, reward and they're never him. they're never big and horrible. No. Uh, he never has to bang anyone gross. And it's always someone you would try. Does he ever leap into a gay relationship? No. That would have been interesting. Just a little bit early yeah. for the gay conversation. Bit, bit early, yeah. So yeah. this episode he gets a Marilyn Monroe lookalike, which I was happy with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually wondered if she was the person that played Marilyn Monroe when she is in an episode. Yeah, goodbye Norma Jean. That... Goodbye Norma Jean. Yeah, that's the, the episode. You said I... goodbye Norma Jean. You said goodbye. All right. The other one's for when you've got a dog called Norma Jean that's yeah. just done something right. Yeah, but then you've called a male dog Norma Jean. It's catastrophic. The other one that said it. It's a bit tragic, it, really. It wasn't me. We'll play it back. You'll see. 
<laughs> I said goodbye. I said goodbye. Just said goodbye, everyone. So why is this um, Marilyn Monroe character even there? For fun, what's wrong with her? Because she's got to be pretty, hasn't she? And They're all pretty. And infantilized. Think... She actually kind of annoyed me on that front because she was doing the whole I'm so stupid, I'm a woman thing. Yeah, but don't you think that that was sort of echoed later on in, in Pulp Fiction? What? With, when? With, with that character, with the boxer's girlfriend, you know, she wants a putt and she wants blueberry pancakes. And oh, she's yeah, she really was quite weird. childlike and dependent on boxer man. And it just—it seemed like that kind of a thing, you know? This pretty girl who's dependent on this this boxer. Was the one in Pulp Fiction a topless dancer? No, no. Okay, she, I was going to say, if there were any more parallels that you could draw, it might be a little bit creepy, because it seems weird that Quentin Tarantino would go to something wholesome, like Quantum Leap, for inspiration. Yeah, no, she she's not a stripper. She's a nice French girl. If I ever get to interview Quentin Tarantino, I must ask him. Did that come from Quantum Leap? But if he said yes, that would be amazing. Um, you, you are absolutely right, though. With This is quite a slow episode. Oh, the pacing is the hardest thing about this show. It first really half an hour, an especially. Yeah. Oh, man, it was really grueling. Up until the twist, which wasn't really too much of a twist in this show, the, uh, the, the mob boss kind of thing where they introduced that. Yeah, because the nuns want him to win so that they can get a chapel, specifically one nun wants to get this chapel and she tells us about her life and it's really quite tragic in a beautiful scene um where he's not fit it's quite clear that he's not fit and he's not a boxer but he's got to become a boxer quite quickly because he's caught up in this embroilment of mobsters who are making him take a fall in the first round and he don't want to do that because he's a good man that's the point he's putting it right this is this is the show. And he does. It's very good. There are lots of Rocky-esque kind of scenes in it. But I've seen Pulp Fiction, so I know that those mobsters aren't just going to roll over. No, they did, because this is Quantum Leap. That was what I loved about the end of this. I'm sorry, I'm too when cynical goes, now. Oh, I've won $8,000 for you. You can have that. I'm having 20 from my winnings, but you can have $8,000, and you'll have to just put up with that or kill me. And they go, well, I'll have eight grand then. And you think I would reckon they'd have taken all your money and probably killed you. But, yeah. you know, there you go. The, also, the issue that it's just one old guy there. He could have beaten the crap out of him. Yeah. So he had one heavy. He could have done them, both of them. Yeah. He's a fucking boxer. Well, he is by the time he's doing a fight. Yeah. But as we learned, Sam knows, like, seven kinds of martial art anyway. That's what's even more absurd about this, is that he had to train as a boxer. Yeah. We, we learn over the course of five se- seasons that Sam is, is just so much of a genius, it's ridiculous. Well, he's a doctor, he's a quantum physicist, he's everything. He plays isn't he? the piano, he plays guitar, he sings speaks seven languages. <laughs> he sings like an angel. Exactly. But he can only ever remember at one time what is appropriate for what's going on in that particular episode. Which is why I hate amnesia. Amnesia should not be an acceptable acceptable plot device ever. It's so lazy. Well, what about, um, what do you call it then? Memento. Apart from Memento. Because Memento is just the best use of amnesia in a film ever. It, it is. I'll give you that. Because it takes the amnesia trope and turns it on its head. That has to do, if you told the amnesia story in uh, chronological order, it would be a terrible movie. Yeah. The thing that makes that movie it's, is its structure. Definitely. That's an extra on the DVD. It's all actually. about the unraveling, isn't it? It's all about the coming back to. That, that's the story of Amnesia. It's, not, it's the coming it, back and the unraveling of what's happened to you. 
Right. It's not the amnesia that makes the story great, though. It's the structure that rolls out the amnesia. You can take anything that sucks and add a, a new spin to it and come out with something that's good mm-hmm. if you do it right. Yeah, I agree. So what did you like about it, Jason, this episode? You know, the one big thing is Al. I yeah. thought right off the bat that Al was the more engaging character. He was much more intriguing. He had all the energy. He was the one who was telling the jokes and... I, I don't like Al's jokes as much as when he gets serious in later episodes, yeah. but we'll talk about that coming up soon. Yeah. I kind of like, um, like you were saying about the end with the mobsters, how you expected them to kill Sam. Mm. I, I was right there with you because I'm a little bit too cynical, I think, for yeah, this kind of aged writing. Because I also thought, not necessarily just the mobster thing, but I also thought the girlfriend was going to run, run away with the prize money. I kept on waiting for the other shoe to drop with that girlfriend, that she was going to run out on him. You see, we forget that this was on tea time. And, and when I watched this, I was 14, 15 years old. It was for me and people around my age and younger, really. But everyone kind of liked it. But it was aimed at, it was aimed at kids, really. And you can't really put in those kind of Tarantino real-life stories into tea time tv certainly not in the 80s you know you don't want to be showing eight-year-olds that really the bitch runs off with the money and he gets fucking shot anyway no it's a bit harsh <laughs> it's this is just a, happy a bit show. too harsh it's an uplifting happy family you know, when show you just watch blue peter and learn how to make one of those things out of coat hangers at christmas time and then you turn it over and then somebody's been shot and a, and a stripper's running off with cash the, no the blue peter advent what is that? The advent, the advent candle thing that candle burns your house down. Yeah. 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 For me, though, that happy ending is more of a stretch of the imagination and more of a, a suspension of disbelief is required than the sci-fi elements of the show. Like yeah. I can take the, the jumping back and forth in time. Okay, whatever. That's the conceit. It's the oh, everything turned out all right at the end. That yeah, but Jason, really... you've, you've seen the eighteen, mate. This is how it was in the eighties. <laughs> I know. They I just know. stitched it all together and went, "Yeah, everything's okay." At the end. Yeah. I think it's that it's set against the backdrop of real people and real biographies mm. that makes me expect it to have more of a real backbone. Because you're right. If I'm watching the A-Team and I fully expect that we will, oh, then, yeah. uh, then the A-Team is pure fantasy. It's fluff. You know it's going to turn out well in the end. The A-Team is not about finding out whether the A-Team wins. It's about finding out how they do it and how they, they use the uh, the van yeah. to mow down several guerrilla armies. Yeah, and what hilarious way they managed to get Mr. T on the plane. All exactly. That, you know, all that kind of, and we know it's happening. We know it's coming. It's a formula. And, and in the 80s, that t- that kind of TV always gave us the right ending, the one that we wanted. It, it was just for kids. But, so as, as a cynical person approaching 40, yeah, I'm like, oh, come on. You'd have so been stabbed. <laughs> but I think there's something about using real dates in Quantum Leap and having real characters show up in the background. Like, I mean, you didn't see him, but Muhammad Ali in this episode. Yeah. I think that that lends an air of legitimacy to the show that it makes it almost a biopic, even though, I mean, clearly it's not, duh, but it makes it feel like it should have that legitimacy to it. Hmm. I see what you're saying. I think they do a nice job of fitting things, real events and real people into this show. It happens a lot in a lot of different ways and it always makes it, it always feels good when you get something big to anchor on to, hmm. especially when he inadvertently meets famous people and stuff like that is pretty cool. I'm less impressed by that stuff as I am by Al's connections. Well, the, I, as I learned tonight, I've accidentally just picked out a load of Al-centric episodes. Yeah, and that's good. I think that turned out quite nicely. I think those the, those two episodes in particular 
knit, knit and mesh together really quite nicely. We learn a lot in those two episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Which is strange because they're in different seasons. Well, I think that's how it happens. You know? So yeah. we've missed out a lot of Sam ones and other things like that. Mind mm-hmm. you, with the leap back, the leap home. That that's very that much was, Sam. that was very Sam centric. Very Sam centric, but even that affects Al in the end as well. So it's it's very good. I hope I've picked the one where they swap places. I need to double check before we go tonight. Uh, <laughs> we've got the right ones to watch because there's there's one where there is a lightning strike just at the moment of leap, and Al ends up traveling in time, and Sam goes home and appears as a hologram. Okay. They do everything in this show. It's it really do, you know like the the trouble with Star Trek: The Next Generation, great show that it was. You always had a guaranteed type of episodes in in every season. We're gonna have an episode where the holodeck goes wrong. We're gonna have a Q episode. We're gonna have a Riker's shag someone he shouldn't episode, and we're gonna have a Troy has a headache episode. We might have a Picard crusher will they won't they episode possibly, or just a Picard gets a girlfriend one. And then something with the Klingons, something with the Romulans, maybe something with the Borg. And before you know it, you've got a season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Whereas that did not happen with this show. They just kept coming with idea after idea and never really repeating something. There were far fewer what I would call filler episodes. I mean, it's difficult to say that there are such things as filler episodes of Quantum Leap because it wasn't really going anywhere to a final conclusion. It's not like Lost yeah, or something like that. Bits of an arc missing, so they just plug it with any old story. Every episode was an episode in its own right. There were a couple of longer arcs, but, you know, two or three parts at the most. From what I've seen, though, there are a couple of different pieces that they're trying to string together in just tiny little increments throughout several of the episodes. You know, Sam still doesn't know why he's leaping or who's controlling it or what the final destination is or how to get home. And those are all things that tie each episode together. Yeah, they're the central themes, really, aren't they? He's kind of stuck. So there is a, a thin tether that's tying everything together. Yeah, there is. There's that, I suppose. And they, they kind of, I, I suppose there is a play, playing up that it might be God at the I beginning. And uh, it, I it do too. And it does sort of My go goodness. away and it becomes a sort of, instead of it being God, it's the thought of there being a higher power, whether that's a God or karma or fate or... Or, or the universe the in universe, its entirety. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and it, but do you know what that does? It takes it, this show, it takes Quantum Leap, and it effectively makes it into Touched by an Angel. And I've seen that show. <laughs> it starred Roma Downey and Della Reese, and I didn't like that show. And before, it was called Highway to Heaven. And that starred a dead guy who lived out on the prairie. Yeah, it did. Not good. But they're the same shows. It's divine intervention in someone else's life to set right what went or yeah, does that right what went wrong? I'm going to get that right eventually. You are. I still find it hard to say, and I've spent time practicing it. <laughs> Put right one, once went wrong. It's so hard to say. Do you know what say. I'm going to say? Fix shit. What? He went back to fix shit. He did. He went back to fix shit. <laughs> yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. He I'll did. dub that over the next time we use a, a, an intro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you inter- when you introduce this concept of supreme intervention, it turns it into an, a show about angels, not a show about a guy just trying to figure out what's going on. And I don't like that. And it also comes into question and all that stuff about the duality of being a scientist and being uh, a believer in God. Well, it's also a convenient excuse. Yeah, it is. It also removes the fact that at no point does he do anything to try and get home. If his machine's bro- he doesn't do anything to try and fix his machine. He never gets messages from Al saying, we think we've got something that will fix it this time and you'll leap home. It's never mentioned again. The concept of him coming home never goes, it never comes back. He just always, we're leaping again. 
I'm a bit confused about one thing in all of that, which is that at one point, I think it's in that first episode that we watched, Al mentioned something about Ziggy thinks that, or Ziggy tried to get you within this window of where you were going, kind of intimating that Ziggy was somehow controlling the leap to some extent. Yeah, there's always a purpose to his leaps. But they they let that go that the computer's controlling it, or I, I think there's a thing that they're trying to predict it. Like, we're think, trying to figure out if there's a pattern to his leaping or, or that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's, I forget that there once was an episode four where there'd only ever been three of them before. And so nothing had really been established and there was still lots of room to play with ideas and for things to change over the next 90 episodes. Mm, 90. You know, and, and so it's, there is an element of it. It looks like science fiction, but it's a bit more just a bit of fun than that. It's not Star Trek and it's, it's, uh, consistency mind you even star trek's not star trek and it's consistency no, it's, it's this mythical non-existent level of consistency that doesn't really exist uh, right but at least star trek does have that internal consistency where it says here are the rules we will obey the rules the writers have to obey the rules and if the writers have to find some way to, to tweak the rules they have to do it by still bowing in some respect to the rules whereas I mean, quantum leap just ignores it Right, and Quantum Leap ignores the whole time travel thing, too, with the the uh, risk of creating a paradox. I mean, they needed a healthy dose of Doc Brown in this show. Oh, God. I mean, in The Leap Home, <laughs> when he's, he's he leaps into his younger self, so as he changes stuff, he should have memories of all those things happening yeah. in his life and changing, and it's all... We miss all of that out because that's just too complicated for this. Yeah, but he can remember the most minute detail. Yeah, wouldn't you have remembered the, the day the guy turned up to basketball practice in the gorilla mask? Would you not so Would remember that? Would you not that remember that that's on? how you saw your brother for the first time in 30 odd years? There's all those Swiss cheese memory kind of amnesia allowances, and that's why I say amnesia is always the lazy way out, and I don't like it in the show. It is, and and a lot of stuff in this show falls through the sieves in that in the Swiss cheese. It's just too many holes. And why would you remember on that particular day he took two shots and the second one missed? Why? You'd never when remember that. When he'd done that, it thousands you? of times, why that day? You have to remember this. <laughs> this show is from Donald B. Belisario. P. Belisario. This is the guy who's given us uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, you see, I thought thusly, after Battlestar Galactica, he'd also done Buck Rogers, but apparently not. Well, Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers, like we talked about in the first couple episodes of Remote Patrol, those were both um, Glenn, uh, what's his face? Uh, hold on. What's the name of the guy that you said? Donald P. Belisario. He did direct two Battlestar Galacticas, and I think he's listed as the creator. He also did Magnum, he also did Airwolf, Jag, and NCIS. And if you want to talk about shows that are, that quite happily ignore a few blindingly obvious scientific problems in the name of entertaining television, you're going to come up with those. You know? Maybe not Magnum, well. You know, NCIS with its zoom, zoom, enhance. What? Sorry? (laughs) No, but it looks good on TV. Okay, so here we go. Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers, both Glenn A. Larson uh, shows, both created by him. The gentleman that you mentioned, was he a director or producer? Uh, director and producer. Right, I've got I also have his, or had, where's that gone? I had his Wikipedia page. And now I've got okay, so page. regardless of whether he created them, he had his heavy touch on, on how they rolled out, certainly. Uh, hang on, just, just bear with me. Let me get this page up. Uh, 
Right. Donald P. Uh, Paul Belisario, born August 8th, 1935. American television producer and screenwriter who created and sometimes wrote episodes for the TV series Magnum, Airwolf, Quantum Leap, JAG, and NCIS. He has often included military veterans as characters. That's that's Wikipedia. There's about five of those that you named that are Glenn A. Larson um, uh, uh, creations. So maybe they were par- writing partners. Maybe yeah. they were development partners. Let's that see, sounds plausible. Let's see if we can find a photo of them together, though. That's Ooh, the thing. now you're getting yeah. fancy. So that, that's what it is. They must they must be good friends in some way or, or not be able to get away from each other for some unknown reason. Um, so I, I would argue that these are all shows, perhaps with the exception of Magnum because of the nature of the show, these are shows that let things go for the sake of just general entertainment. And as long as it's nothing too big, you can just glaze over it and it's still fun to watch for 45 minutes. Do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I do. It's, I really do. It's fine. It's it's not at the, it's not the level of nerdiness that Star Trek gets to. No, absolutely not. It's somewhere between kids TV and that. Exactly. Somewhere between. And it hits the sweet spot, I think. It's so engaging. And and Jason, I really do think that if you watch more of it, you will get more and more engaged with both characters actually. Cuz Sam is hard work at first cuz he strikes me as tiny little bit socially inept. And and we see that in in the third show that we saw tonight. He's got some social anxieties. He does. He has some of those problems, and I'm willing to forgive that. But, uh, you know, if you want me to to sympathize with your character, you need to tell me a little bit more about your character right out the bat. And Sam doesn't do very much talking. He does an awful lot of listening, which is the smart thing to do when you're dropped into a weird situation and you've got to figure it out. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the best way for a a brand-new viewer to get used to who he is and what he's all about. But what opportunity does he have? That that opportunity is not written in. His right. majority of his time is spent being someone else and firstly learning who that is and how that is and then just learning as much as he can and using his, his own wisdom gained in his own lifetime to guide things and make things right again. I think that we get to know him a little bit better in Jimmy, which... I'm glad of. This is a second season episode. It takes place on October 14th, 1964. Sam leaps into a young man with mental retardation and has to keep him out of an institution. First of all, some quick words about retardation. Just want to say, don't want to offend anyone, but it is a correct clinical term. Well, However, it, you don't say he is retarded. You would say he uh, has retardation. Yeah. In the UK, it's not even called that. Um, we use the term learning disabled here. Uh, learning disabilities in the U.S. fall into a different uh, spectrum entirely because it includes things like, uh, well, it comes up in this episode with dyslexia. They're, they're not the same thing. Uh, my wife is a special education teacher, mm. and she exclusively handles children with learning disabilities, but none with mental retardation. So she might handle kids with behavioral issues or emotional issues that can, I mean, technically retard their progress, mm. but it doesn't have any effect on their IQ. It has more of an effect on their social ability to learn. And also there are just different ways that the brain is wired yeah. that create differences in the way that kids learn. Yeah. And you have to find out exactly exactly what the methodology is, what the mechanics are of somebody's brain. Let, let me give you an example. There is a disability, and I can't remember what it's called. But it has an effect on how you read. It's it's one of the dyslexic spectrum mm-hmm. uh, disabilities. And it can be easily corrected by holding a piece of colored cellophane over words as you read them. All right. So if you find the color that the kid jives with, that yeah. the kid's brain recognizes, like if it has, happens to be blue, 
the kid can look through that little window pane as he moves it over the book, over the text, and his brain will, will translate it just fine. That's awesome. So those are all learning disabilities. M- mental retardation takes it to a whole other step, and that's what we see in this show, is someone who, like the classical definition, is, is slow. Mm. You see, learning disabled is different from having learning difficulties. People who have got uh, learning disabilities um, can't do things quite the same as anyone else, and that's because their IQs are lower and they've got um, particular syndromes. I mean, like, in the mirror, I saw a boy who looked like he had Down syndrome. and he It he, did. It looked like he had the um, uh, slightly epicanthic folds on the eyes that are typical of Down syndrome. Is that what that's called? I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the UK, he'd be both learning and physically disabled. Brad no, Silverman, also in I Am Sam with uh, Sean Penn. Is it the same guy? If you want to cry for three hours for no <laughs> reason whatsoever, watch I Am Sam. Oh, yeah, he's wow. Brad. That was his only other thing that he did between this episode and 2001. Nothing else. Not, no other acting roles. No. Uh, to be fair, though, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Most teachers and professionals these days will avoid mental retardation as the term. Yeah. Just because of all the connotations that come with it. Yeah. They and may the, say the horrible... intellectually challenged and cognitive, cognitively delayed and that sort of thing. Yeah. Because it just lends itself to that, that word retard, which is just horrible. Yeah. It's a weird word. And because... I'm uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable with it. I don't know how I can't reflect back and feel how I felt about it in 1989. Because things were very different then, and and we had um, in the UK we had a a, a, a show called Blue Peter, and it's still going now. And there was um, a, a man covered on that show and shown to children, and his name was Joey Deacon, and he had cerebral palsy. But he in those days he was called a spastic, yeah, which was horrible. And we even had the Spastic Society that was. The name of the charitable organisation that, you know, sold clothes and you see, raised money. What I think happens is that we have a thing that we call something until that thing becomes changed enough for it to be an insult. Yeah. And then we just change well, the becomes, name of it. It's more than an insult. It's a, it's a hateful word. Well, we changed the name of the Spastic Society to Scope. Yeah, we did. And we now got that's, rid of it. Now that's becoming the thing that gets shouted. Yeah, so they'll scope. change the name yeah. again. Yeah. And then it will. it's just a cycle. And this is just we're at the tail end of this one. Mm. I, I think it's this is actually well beyond the scope of this show. This is but to talk so to get into this, he got, he leaps into somebody with uh, learning disabilities with Down syndrome, mm. pretty much. Yeah, and so it's about he his leap is is to sort of prove the worth of this person to keep his job and to not let Michael Madsen do him down to change attitudes. Yeah. He was, he was a linchpin in you can do something that will change with the way that people view you. Yeah. And and special people like you. We we get quite a, a there's, there's quite a lot of good things about this episode. I was pleased I kind of picked this one. It was seemingly at random at the time. You've got your first big celebrity before they were famous guest starring role in Michael Madsen. Nobody knew who Michael Madsen was. We didn't watch this when it was on TV and go, hey, there's Michael Madsen. How early was it on his list? I'm scrolling down and down and down on his IMDb. My God, how many things has this man been in? I'm still scrolling. He's been in a lot of things. He's been a big And he's man. been drunk in all of them. He has, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. This starts in 1982, sent elsewhere. War- he was in War Games, you know. Was he? No. He was in War Games. 
playing someone called Steve, it says here. And he was in Cagney and Lacey and Miami <laughs> Vice and lots of other... I've still not found Quantum Leap. My God. There we go, Quantum Leap 89, Jimmy. Uh, so he'd been just bit parts. We didn't know. He wasn't in anything I'd ever heard of until... Oh, he was in The Doors and Thelma and Louise, Reservoir Dogs. That was his breaking point then. Then it's just been garbage since then. I don't know why, Terp. Never mind. I'm I'm doing him down, actually. He's been in some good stuff. And he's been in some terrible stuff. Yes. What was the, what was the one, the video game movie that he was in? Um, Blood Rain. Blood Rain. If you ever want to see Michael Madsen doing a terrible, terrible character, right there. Because, no kidding, he was entirely drunk the entire time he was on the set. Yeah, had a lot of problems that year, didn't he? If I was in the movie Blood Rain, I'd be drunk the entire time. <laughs> was that an Uwe Boll film? It was. There Dear you God, go. you see, yeah, I can, it, I can empathise with what that would be like. Drunk when he signed the contract, <laughs> drunk when he did the movie, and drunk to forget it once they paid him. <laughs> so fair enough. But he's a bastard in Quantum Leap. Yes, he is. He's a bastard in everything. Can you name a time that Michael Madsen has played a likable character? Free Willy Two: The Adventure Home. <laughs> you were just waiting, weren't you? I, it's just the first thing my eyes fell on. On the page. Was he He's a good the... guy in it? I don't Are know. Are you sure I've that wasn't seen... a business tycoon who wanted to trap Willie and use him as an amusement park? Uh, I think he was that guy's thug. I've never seen Free Willie too. He was that guy's thug. He was never the guy. <laughs> he was. He was the good guy in Species. <laughs> was he? He was because the alien was the baddie in Species. He was the tra- the guy trying to catch the alien. And was he still badass? He was, well, yeah, of course he was. He's Michael he Madsen. Was he was Virgil Earp in White Earp, so that means he was on the side of the good guys. He was, oh yeah, he was in Free Willy One, so I bet he was a good guy, because you don't bring the, the evil businessman back for the sequel, do you? That sounds plausible. And, and his character name <laughs> is Glenn Greenwood. That's not if the he name. Glenn Greenwood. He's a nice boy. That, that's not an evil character name, is it? No. He sounds like one of the vets or something. He should be cringely smithed or <laughs> something smithed. if he was evil. Yeah, but... typically your names that have a lack of plosives are, are good guy names. Once you start using hard consonants, that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Glenn Greenwood. Ah. Oh. Oh, what a lovely guy. That's the kind of guy you want to meet your mother and things. Mum, this is Glenn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Glenn's lovely. Yeah, but still ultimately quite scary as he is Michael Madsen. I wouldn't steal that damn well. Besides, where are you going to put it? As soon as he drove that forklift onto the screen, though, that's when I threw my arms up over my head and said, oh, here it comes. I did wonder how much forklift driving lessons experience was Michael Madsen given? He was before the show. buzzing around uh, that warehouse, wasn't he? As I understand it, you do have to have a license to operate one in this country. Yeah, you need your, your CSCS card and, yeah. and your forklift training. I'm not allowed on one to have a go. No, um, you've got to even, have a license. Even if I'm pretending to be a forklift driver on telly. Mm. There it, is a licensure here as well. I'm just not sure how much it exists for the the purpose of training you or to, to show that you've been trained so much as it is for liability reasons. I, I'll bet you anything it has to do with insurance. How hard can it be to drive a forklift? Anyway, it's really? both here because we're health and safety mad in the UK, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, we've got, we've got to have legislation and licensure for everything just in case someone sues. We don't want the same situation that we, you guys have got in the US where it's just sue, sue, sue. It's getting like that here, but, you know, they've got so many health and safety protections against that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the more laws you make, the more reason there is to sue. So that's just a, that's just a byproduct of living in society. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he's the bad guy in this one. He he thinks he doesn't want Jimmy there. No, he he he's hates a, Jimmy. He's a hate crimer. He is. 
but he's got his own problems because he's dyslexic, which we find out. Well, Jimmy finds out. Sam finds Sam out. Sam finds out because he uses his modern knowledge. He does. And he doesn't want, you know, Michael Madsen doesn't he's want to tell He's a doctor after anyone. all. Yes. Let's not forget this. He can diagnose and go, ah, oh, he saw those numbers all over the place. He can read. He just can't put them in the right order. Uh -huh. He's dyslexic. I know about him. Little power play. He's an is it he's a bit 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 bit. There's my porky pig. He's a bad guy without any kind of redemption too. Because if this were made today, you would expect him to have a full arc where he realizes that he's being a bigot and he changes and he shows some sort of restitution. But no, Not there he just kind of crashes and you never see him again. Yeah, he gets fired. Go away, prejudice. Well, man. To, to be fair, he'd get fired immediately here. Well, he would be fired. using that kind of language. He'd just be gone. It's one of the fundamentals of of working anywhere. You sign a contract that says you work in a non-discriminatory practice, and if you ever say anything like that, you're gone. Certainly in my line of work. So, yeah, he, he would it disappear. It dockers, though, Alison. But we're not interested in you his know. redemption. We're interested in Jimmy's. And it's and and Jimmy's uh, wife-in-law, sister-in-law, sister-wife-in-law. What is that? His brother's it's wife. It's a Mormon thing. Yeah, <laughs> his his sister-in-law, because uh, she's she's not happy with him either. That's the beauty of the ending. Not only does he get his job back and prove Michael Madsen wrong, he saves the boy's life and with his modern ways. With his modern ways, and, yeah. And and proves Jimmy's worth to to his his sister-in-law, which is awesome. And so they don't have to put him in a home. But here's immediately, as soon as he leaps in, here's where I'm going back to the beginning of this episode where we were talking about it. I wanted to know how much is Sam impacted by Jimmy's disability? Does he feel somehow slower? Does he feel socially ostracized other than just how other people are acting? Does does he actually feel clumsy? Because they were dropping clues about it, and I was kind of keeping my my radar on the whole time, looking to see what extent they were saying Sam had uh, mental retardation himself as a, as an effect of being in Jimmy's body. I, I don't think he had any at all. No, when there, when he first realizes and goes outside and talks to Al, he goes, uh, you know, there, there's some there. This when is he, what's going he on. Talks uh, about feeling clumsy. He talks about, you know, when he drops the big dish he, and everything. He does, know? but he doesn't drop the big dish. He bangs into him and it goes out of his hands. That is not him being clumsy. It was actually her fault there. He was in just in an scene, unfortunate though, place. Was... Look at the way he was holding his hands as he reached for each plate. He was using both of them like he was having trouble being in control of his own body. Oh, or was he just really good at acting? Because, you know, he had that talk and he was like, how do I do this? And Al said, just be like a 12-year-old. So, it you know, maybe he's just acting so well. But also with that nervousness of I'm in this character that I have absolutely no understanding of whatsoever. I, I, I'm completely thrown. I, I, I don't know how to do this. The other characteristic that threw more of a question onto the entire thing, for me at least, was his delivery, uh, how he was speaking, because it seemed like he was having a lot of trouble getting his points across or communicating effectively. He, it seemed almost like he had some sort of a speech impediment, and I wasn't sure if that was just because of the whole Swiss cheese memory thing, that he always suffers with the leaps, or if it had to do more with the body that he was in of Jimmy's, or because he was just so confused about the situation, See, or like you said, if he was if he was actually acting. It, 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 this is another one of the things that just varies from episode to episode and from moment to moment within those episodes. That depending on what's going on, it, it serves the story whether this person influences him or not. And and sometimes it completely takes him over, and other times not at all. And that sometimes he has flashbacks from previous ones. Did you, have you gotten to the trilogy episodes yet? 
I've done uh, the two that we've talked about. Yeah. MIA and the Leap Home Parts 1 and 2. Right. That's as far as I've gotten. You see, when you get to the trilogy episodes, this again covers, it, this becomes a major part of it, a huge part of it. And so I think it will it will either explain something or further serve to confuse or further prove that there are inconsistencies that just serve the story. Uh, but it, it does, it's covered so much more. I, I suppose the, these are the pitfalls of, of it not really being possible to just sit and watch every episode. If there's a praise that I can give the show, it's that it has made me genuinely curious to have some of these things explained. I just hope it doesn't pull a lost on me and never really spell things out the way that I want them to. Um, Maybe by the end of it, you don't care. Well, that's the other thing about Quantum Leap that sucks, which is that Netflix doesn't give me the last episode. Really? It's like, honestly, it's so horrible what they've done, is they've missed off so many really important episodes. I mean, we've been able to get to a few of them in, in the ones that we've picked out for this show, but by no means are they all there. there. There are some that I would rather have gotten you to watch than they're on Netflix that you'd have enjoyed just a lot more, and it's just a shame they're not there. And I think it's a massive shame that you can't see the pilot, because I think whether it's good or bad, you should be able to see the pilot. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the one where it really does explain everything. The whole I think thing. we might run into this problem with Remote Patrol in general, which is that pilot episodes, because of the way that they're produced, have slightly different licensures. So when they go to try to get the pilots on the shows, they don't always have the ability to get all the rights to show them on the streaming service, or they don't mm. at least invest the extra money to buy the extra licenses. Because there are other shows that I've run across on Netflix where you do have to skip the first episode or the first two episodes, and it's just... Ah, it makes me want to hulk out. Yeah, it's not. It's not right. It, it's it's like ripping page one out of a book. And what would uh, what would the tale of two cities be without the best of times, the worst of times? Well, my opinion, not very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's too fire. much of a grown-up book for me. <laughs> yeah, there are no dinosaurs or scary clowns or anything like that. Oh, Da Vinci Codes. Oh, you read that. I didn't read it. <laughs> I listened to it. You point and laugh. I listened oh. to it. And then what was bad was that I then listened to the other two. <laughs> point and laugh. <laughs> the worst one was the last one. No, was it the they were all utter garbage. Tangent. At least I didn't listen and like them. That's my only defense. <laughs> I hope we're not done talking about Jimmy, but I do just want to no, skip no, that no. real quick and say I, I tried my hardest to cheat. I, I did go ahead and I wanted to watch the final episode, so I tried to find it. And, yeah. of course, like I said, Netflix doesn't have it. There are other ways that I'm going to pursue to try to get it. But I just wanted to see if some of this stuff was actually unraveled at the end. And it looks like they, they go back to the whole you know, Jesus thing. It's a very interesting end. And when you sort of look at its origins as an ep as a piece of television, when they were told to make something that could either be a conclusion to everything or a cliffhanger for a potential season six. That is when you're sitting down to write a script that either finishes five seasons or begins another one. That's quite a daunting task in terms of story. And the guy who wrote it didn't even know it had been cancelled when they finished it. And so it was the they ended with sort of placeholder cards, text on the screen. Mm. Um, now there was an alternate ending that was written. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the script for this? I haven't, no. So basically what happens is you leap into a space station and uh, Al says, 
hey, I'm here, and he's talking to the, the, the god bartender who we think is in control of all the leaps and everything. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can't, send, you can't send Sam on all these missions without me. I want to be a leaper too. And so the bartender turns him into a, a, like a bombshell blonde. That's going to be Sam's new leaping partner. But that's not, ow. That would be weird. Would be weird. I'm not happy with that. But they start jumping around apparently in like the far, far future. That's weird. That would be terrible. Yeah. Was that a real yeah. thing or was that a fan fiction thing? No, it was the actual alternate script in, in case they had not canceled season five. Yeah. Thank They're God going to they... add that ending on. Thank goodness they canceled season five. Uh, or canceled... At the end of season yeah. right? You know what we mean. Yeah. Mm. Thank God yeah. they did that because that would have been had horrific. Had there been a season six. Yeah. And Carlos were... in the chat room is remembering uh, conversations about may maybe making a movie of it as well. There have been many rumblings of that over mm -hmm. the years. Um, you know, the the last thing I heard was actually a re another television show with Sam's daughter as the leaper. Poor cow. So I, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if they do that. They took, there's been rumblings of a movie since it was cancelled. And I, I doubt we'll ever get one. I don't think we'll ever get one with uh, Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell in. And he so, seems to have aged fairly well. I, I don't see why I, yeah. you couldn't bring him back if you wanted to. I've heard Scott Bakula say in an interview that he thinks he's too old. But I could, I'd be quite happy with it. I just, I just don't, I'm not optimistic that we're ever going to see that film. I would love to, don't get me wrong. But if, if they did a, re a movie based on it with different people, I don't know that I'd really want to see that. Yeah. By the way, Lisa wanted me to ask you, Allison, is Scott Bakula good looking or not? No. Okay, that's what she said too. And I was wondering <laughs> if he was just biased. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not good looking. No. <laughs> I can't explain it. Let me just look at his face a minute. He's um, not an unattractive man. He's not surely. an unattractive man, um, but he's not even dishy. Um, he's but, chiseled. He's not chiseled. He's well defined. He's toned. See, he's got one, he's got a bum chin for a start. We don't like that. His forehead is massive, um, and his his philtrum is a little too wide for my liking. <laughs> well, you can't That's argue with that, really. can you? Really? Yeah, his ears are getting big. They're really big. And, and you be... might you might already know this too, and it might ruin the question. But just shoot from your hip. Do do we know what nationality he is? Because um, I, I was trying to put a, a face to, to a name of some sort. I was trying to make some sort of link in my mind. and I don't know, Greek, Italian maybe? Some sort of mix um, there? I don't know. I, I, he I seems don't know. to be a very unique looking guy who doesn't fall into any of the stereotypes. He was born in Missouri. Yeah, but where were his parents from? This I don't is what know. we want to know. I'm on his Wikipedia page, or at least I was now on the damn Wikipedia page for St. Louis. Um... Personal early life, born in uh, it just said son, uh, the son of Sally, a concert pianist, and Stuart J. Bakula, a lawyer. That's all it says, doesn't say anything as to his ethnic ethnicity. Bakula itself is even a little bit open ended. I mean, that could be anything from Polish to Czech to Greek or Jewish, who knows? Mm. I've never heard of it anywhere else. I've never met Mr. and Mrs. Bakula at a party or anything. I'm going to just Google Bacula and see what In fact, comes up. I've just Googled Bacula and he's the only thing that's coming up. At least on the first page of Google and the second page. They can't be the only Baculas in the world. Here we go. Bacula name origin. That'll give us something. Uh, Ancestry.com says Polish. Polish. Right. Okay. I see that. 
nickname for a habitual liar. Is it? From Bakulik, to lie in one's throat. <laughs> oh, he was in a Boston legal, I see. Was he really? I don't recall that at all. One episode, 2008. It just caught my eye on his uh, Wikipedia page. I'll have to hit the DVDs for that one. Yeah, me too. I, I do want to uh, talk real quick about Al in Jimmy, because once again, Al, at least through my eyes here, is the one with the most compelling backstory. Absolutely. And you the... find out in, in a little bit of a twist that he had a sister with mental retardation who died in an institution, and that led to Al's mom running off. And I thought that that was the most interesting thing about the whole episode. It was. It really was. And just the way that he started telling the story about a third person. And it brought it, and then he brought it back to being his sister, and and at that moment he he just completely opened, and you knew exactly how Hal was formed, you know, from his from his lifestyle and what happened to him and what happened to his parents and and what must have happened to him then, being the only one left at such a young age. And you can just see that informing his decision to join the navy. Yeah, absolutely. He needed a family. We actually do get a lot of. Very Al-centric episodes where we learn a lot about him. Mm. It's good because you get the feeling that he's carrying around an awful lot of baggage, and we'll talk about that. I'm guessing probably at this point we'll talk about that next week with MIA and uh, mm. and the Leap Home. Yeah. Because those are, those are big episodes. I think that they need a lot of attention. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. But I, I think up to this point you're absolutely right about um, Al being the most emotionally engaging character of the two of them. Well, he's doing the whole uh, Tears of a Clown thing. He's got all the jokes, and then you find out, hey, that's just a thin veneer that's covering up all that pain that he's carting around, especially like, again, we'll see next week in, in MIA. Yeah. He's got a very Mr. Miyagi kind of backstory going on for him. He has, but he dresses like Kid Creole. Yeah, what's with his clothes, especially in that first episode? Because he comes out in that flashy, like, almost tinfoil kind of Back to the Future 2 coat. Well, it's kind he of set, it's set 20 years in the future. From from then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they imagined that that's what maybe people would be wearing, but they they based it on the kid Creole look rather than you know what the average Joe was wearing. But again, I, wear. I I would say from the people who brought you Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers in the twenty first century. Good call. You know, yeah. And, what, and what he do you has want? that he has that kind of flash character anyway. He likes the ladies. You know, he's a bit of a. He thinks he's smooth. He thinks he's charming. He's been married like it. six times. <laughs> he's terrible. He's, he's a womanizer. Yeah. Uh, and so, even that's all a, a kind of a mask, too. Absolutely. His, his deeper feelings. Mm. So I think the clothes just do that as well. They hide stuff by being so flamboyant that all you can really concentrate on is the riotous pattern of his shirt matched against the riotous pattern of his tie. Like, please, sunglasses time sometimes. But yeah, but I'm not kidding. I, I, like, I like it when Al comes on stage. I, lo I love him. I love My him. My heart goes all a flutter. Yeah, and and I like Ziggy as well. I mean, it's it's essentially just a grey brick with a few flashing lights Seriously, on it. Seriously, if somebody made an Android phone sort of special edition thing in the shape of that, yeah, I would be out that door to buy it now. Yeah, I'd sell things. You'd get Ziggy There'd out. There'd be no you? debate that I would be owning that phone the nanosecond it was available Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. And you do we ever see Ziggy? We yeah yeah, you you get you get close-ups of the handset from time to time, and that changes uh, later. But yeah, there are you do get to see within Project Quantum Leap later. But on. Ziggy's not the handset, right? That's just a that's, that's just a that's a Al's, That's Al's interface to Ziggy, the big computer. Okay. So that's it's like yeah that that that's his iPod Touch that he's getting his stuff back off his big computer with. 
Okay. That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there are episodes where you see in it and how it works and you hear the voice and that sort of thing. You see, I would encourage you to just go and watch every episode, really. Well, we'll see. That might be a possibility, but I, I don't know. The, the reading level for or the reading load for this course is pretty high, Professor Smith. Oh, I mean, I don't want to add to your workload for this particular one, but just for your own pleasure, in your own time, for your enjoyment of the subject. I think you'll get hooked if you let yourself be. Yeah. Well, Rich has already assigned another 15 episodes. <laughs> did you read that list, Allison? Yes, I did. That's what crazy. else have we got to go? Let's, let me just bring it. So we've got the... <laughs> Uh, you see, I think as long as you get the the season five one, I mean, the, there's a couple of fun ones. Let me uh, black and white on fire. That's just a really gritty episode because that's the L.A. race riots. That it's just worth a watch. Um, and I, I just picked that out to have another one from season three. I think the the wrong stuff. I think that's the one where he's a monkey, which is worth seeing just to see him be a monkey. See, my money would have gone on something with a space shuttle. It's he's he's a monkey in the. Uh, Air Force testing program for helmets. Okay, that makes more sense. And so they, he's got to, like, free the monkeys before they batter his head in testing a helmet sort of thing. Um, and, and you have highlighted on here, I'm assuming, Season 5, the, the trilogy is the most important they, one? They are, in my opinion, the best three episodes. By by far. Of all of them. Yeah. Of of all of them, they're the best three episodes. The, the Killing Time, I think that's the one where... The the guy in the waiting room escapes. Yeah. I think that's why I put that one on there. The Dr. Ruth episode, that's just fun to see with the one where he leaps into the body of this little old lady sex therapist. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> just fun. Because yeah. uh, the situation he suddenly finds himself is being on live radio, giving advice to a woman over the phone. That's a, that's just a fun one. The good Norma Jean one, because he's that's got Marilyn Monroe in, it's quite a good one. And I think the leap between the states, I think that's the one where he leaps into his grand grandfather you see so it's there are many that are just fun to watch they're they're great little concepts that they come up with and so it's it's actually difficult to pick some out i tell you what before we leap ahead to other episodes do you want to leap back a little bit with some uh clips that i capped sure here we go let's hook us up to the other machine might be a little bit of fuzz on there here we go all right uh oh okay so here's one from the first episode uh the right hand of God that we talked about, about the boxer. I'm pretty sure based on what I slugged this one, that it's that Marilyn Monroe girlfriend. Yeah. You can't go on fighting forever, kid. And I certainly can't go on being a topless go-go dancer for the rest of my life. The mountains are starting to come to Muhammad, you know? The mountains are starting to come to Muhammad. You'd never get away with that on TV today, would you? No. Made me a little bit uncomfortable, so I was like, eh, we'd better talk about that one. Yeah, that, he's not said anymore, is it? Not at all. But I, was it said offensively that, there? Oh, it was about her this, breasts. Yeah. But it, it's all the... Well, the mountains are coming to Muhammad. I don't are we, are we even a, comfortable saying that word it's anymore? It's just the right avoidance now? of saying it altogether. I don't think that is in any way an offensive term. Is but it, then it, again, I wouldn't deem a drawing of Muhammad to be offensive, and many people would, so... Maybe I'm not the best one to comment or have an opinion... And maybe they, people on, who make television, decide that about themselves and thusly avoid the word altogether. Mm. You know, there There's are another... many other words we can say, so why use one that could potentially cause offense? Yeah. Here's another one with her, because let's face it, I think that she was the best thing about the first episode. I, I, I don't know what to say, Dixie. Um, I, uh, they own me. Well, honey, I thought I owned you. 
And then she just takes all her clothes off. Like I say, Boxer's girlfriend. Yeah. But Only she's not on a television. Hooker. But she's not a hooker, no. Boxy, you're not a tramp. You're a stripper. That's a profession. <laughs> it's not. Believe he actually said that. Yeah, that was my favorite line. I pissed myself off. I've never heard it called a profession. Not in a serious conversation like that. <laughs> so anyway. It's prostitution, though, isn't it? I think he's, it's not prostitution. It's yeah, but that, that's her reply. Or so he's being a hooker. Yeah, but it's he's just being nice. I <laughs> mean, what's the point in best. going off on it? He's at trying her. his best, but that's so hamfisted. It's she, ridiculous. She already feels bad. What's the point in being mean to her? Going, yes, dear, you are a bit of a whore. <laughs> there's no, there's no need to say that to her. She's being nice and she's upset about it. I'm just going to help the dog get on the side. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. The rest of the quotes here are from Jimmy. And I don't think I'm going to bring quotes next week, or clips rather, because those two episodes are a little bit too serious for this kind of thing. There's not really any kind of tongue-in-cheek or eyebrow-raising quotes in MIA or or The Leap Home. No. So uh, we'll skip this next week. But here's one's from Jimmy. I'm retarded. No, you're not retarded, Sam. Jimmy is. He's got the IQ of someone like 12 years old. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? Well, how, how do I act retarded? Just act natural. That's not a dig, Sam. Someone with the IQ of a 12-year-old is very functional. They can read, they can write, they can hold a job, they can go to a play, enjoy a movie. In fact, it'd be hard to pick them up from the rest of us normal screw-ups. And I thought... Gosh, the standard of 12-year-olds has declined since Al made that opinion about them. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. <laughs> they can enjoy a play. Yeah. What? <laughs> not, not any 12-year-old I've ever met. <laughs> not unless Maybe it's a Maybe if the play were about farts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I thought it was it was quite sweet how he did that, you know? And, and there was that anxiety from Sam, like, shit, what am I going to do? I can't do that. I don't know what to do here. Uh-oh. Now, here's here's the uncomfortable one, because here's where Michael Madsen shows up. Well, look who's here. Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> Ignore him. Come on, let's go. And you know what I liked best about that scene? What? Was that it was Sam who held his brother back from going into the fight. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel that I felt all the way through that I recognized the guy who played his brother? Is it Eddie or Frank? Frank, isn't Frank. it? And I, I looked him up, and he's he's not been on anything else I've seen. He reminds me of Bradley Cooper from The Hangover. It's really? the eyes, isn't it? And he the does nose. have slightly Bradley Cooper eyes. Let yeah. me see. But like 20 years earlier. Not necessarily the eyes, but the, the sockets, I think. The way that they're cast. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. What's his I, name? I'm just finding it now. I've got to skip to... Oh, I've gone to season one. Oh, I'm, I'm on the wrong episode here. We're just inept at working on the internet. <laughs> Bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, world, we, you'd think we'd never been on it before. Okay, Jimmy, his name was Frank. Was Why wouldn't he not? Why would he not? Oh, there we go. John Daquino. I think I'm saying that right. Daquino. There's a D apostrophe. Aquino. John Daquino. Oh, John Daquino. Daquino, whatever. He's from Brooklyn, born in 1958. And he was, I can't, you know, he's just on bits, bits of television. Oh, he was on JAG. Stuart Dunstan, for many episodes, I've never seen Jag, so that's meaningless to me. It might be quite significant. It wasn't really. It was just a bit of CBS fluff. Right. 
it was it was a CSI light on a Navy base or Air Force base or something. Some some base. Right. He was in Murder She Wrote and Baywatch and Sequest DSV. Some of the the highlights of television history from the last twenty or thirty years. There. Did you know that there was gonna be an episode where Sam leaped into the body of Thomas Magnum? See, Bradley Cooper's far fitter. I'm sorry. Did I just stun you, Jason? I'm trying to put this together because we just learned that there was the, the Magnum Murder, She Wrote crossover. Yeah. So I guess it's just as much of a, a little bit of a shill for them to do a Quantum Leap Magnum crossover. They were going to do that. It's apparent that all I read was it is unclear why that never happened. But it, the, the same thing also mentioned that at one point in the series, a, someone is seen watching an episode of Magnum P.I., which I'll tell you why it never happened, because at some point, some producer displayed an unprecedented amount of clarity and said, no, <laughs> we can't do this. This would just ruin everything. That would have been awesome. The Magnum P.I. episode of Quantum League. It could have rocked, you know. It could have been amazing. <laughs> it could have been With great. Higgins and everyone, he could have driven the Ferrari. He could have worn the shorts. Oh, God. He would never have left away from that. No, you'd just stay, wouldn't you? Just, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Screw that person. I'll save everyone after them, but not the one that will let me leave. I'm being mad. If you mad tell me to Tom Selleck's body and pull up being uh, John Malkovich, you would never leap out. Trust, it would be too much testosterone for you to handle, too much mustache. Yeah, too many uh, 26, 24, 26 girls all around you, and and that Ferrari, and, and the beach, and everything. Cocktails. Wow. And it's all free. <laughs> Yeah. Go free. And he had a mate with a helicopter. I don't know anyone with a helicopter. Magnum's cool as fuck, man. So not to, not to have a downer, but here's the best clip uh, possible from Jimmy, and it is Al's backstory, and it does run long, so bear with me. But I, I felt that it was, like I said, it's the best thing about the entire episode, so I capped it. Yeah. And there was a girl named Trudy. Al, I don't have time for She was for retarded, it. Sam. Her IQ was lower than Jimmy's. And all the kids in the neighborhood, they used to tease her. Kids can be cruel. They call her names like dummy and monkey face. And I hated it. And I used to get in fights all the time over this. But that's what big brothers are for, right? My mother couldn't handle it. That's probably why she ran off at this stupid encyclopedia salesman. But my dad tried to keep us all together. And he was a, you know, a construction worker. He went from job to job. And then when it took him to the Middle East, I wound up in an orphanage and she wound up in an institution. When I was old enough, I went back there for her. But it was too late. She was gone, Sam. Pneumonia, they said. How does a 16-year-old girl die from pneumonia in 1953, Sam? And that's when I said, okay, here's the character that just saved Quantum Leap for me. Yeah. He's he's fantastic, and and I think you're right. He's but he's deeper than Sam. Sam's a bit too scared to really show as much as Al does. I have a theory, and it could be way out there. Go on. But do you think it's possible that Quantum Leap is really about uh, Al's journey, and Sam is just there to play it out for him? Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, I completely think that's it. I it, really do. I mean, it, you know, it's introduced as Sam Beckett's story, but it's not. It's Al. And Sam's just the puppet, really. He's had a much more interesting life. <laughs> That's a terrible life. thing to say. Sorry, but it's true. He's the puppet. He's got to. He's got to do the thing. 
It's about both of them and, and their relationship as well. I, I do often wonder if it's Al's will that's taken in places. You know, that was something that I wondered about in the next episode coming up, whether Al was the one who was doing the directing of the jumps. <laughs> you see, these what what is interested what what's interesting about these two episodes, Jimmy and MIA in particular, is that they are subjects that are revisited in later episodes. You gotta watch now, Jason, ain't ya? Well, I, I, I won't lie. As much as I've been trying to fight it and resisting and talking about the things that I don't like in the first couple of episodes uh, that I've seen, and some of the ones that we didn't talk about tonight too that I've seen in season one and two, yeah. uh, the 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 next two that we'll talk about next week, MIA and the the what is it, the Leap Home? Yeah. Uh, they they really did get me invested. So it's there. I mean, your job is done. I've been playing coy about it. <laughs> Marvelous. But you have convinced me. I still don't think it is necessarily a good show. <laughs> okay. I think that it's a show that has promise and it has a hook in me. Mm. It has big problems still, though. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is. it's not necessarily but totally I, consistent. I, I kind of guarantee that by the by the end of the whole journey, you won't care. You, you'll sweep away all the inconsistencies and go, you know, I, I just love that for what it is. It, it's fine. See, you notice on, on the IMDb page of uh, Brad Silverman, who, who's Jimmy, he's listed on four episodes of Quantum Leap, which right. is actually more than I realized it was, and as one of them as a different character name. So, See, I didn't catch that in my scan. I just saw Quantum Leap, and then I saw I Am Sam, and I said, oh, I Am Sam, and I, I, I honed in on that. Yeah, no, he's, he's, there are another three episodes he's in. Hmm. So things come back, and things tie together, and it all... you. you it will all. I can't say it makes sense. You just are emotionally comfortable with it. It's bizarre because you know I'm one of the people that got upset with the ending of Lost and things like that. So Rightly you know, I, so. I need a lot spoon feeding to me from time to time. But I never felt that with this show. I never felt the need to pick it apart because its stories and its characters were always enough to carry me on beyond any inconsistencies in the science of it. So the thing that you love already, Jason, is the thing that you'll continue to love because it's the thing to love, not not the inconsistencies. You'll just forgive it all, I promise you. Uh, I don't know, Allison. That's not how my brain works, uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. There's going to be a process of falling in love, and you'll be fine with it. You will, honestly. I have a feeling we'll be talking about Quantum Leap for about another three weeks. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. so, so Good. much to do. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's one of my favorites, you know. When I look back, it really is. It's up there. It's no Navy Seals, though, but she likes it's, it. Nah, shut up. Uh, it's got a charm about it. That mm. it's, where is that now on telly? And for all its tension, it's so soft and, and family-friendly. There's no swearing in this show. No. You know, but there's still a lot of tension, and some heavy subjects are covered. Mm. But there's no swearing, which I find very peculiar. It would be full of it now. Um, nice show. It's, it's nice. It is, and and that's not a a, a derogatory kind no, of this, word this to was, use for it. I don't think. I don't want it to be derogatory anyway. This show to me, it was another. It was another bonding moment with my mother. The two people oh, in our yeah. house who watched this show were me and my mum. Yeah. My dad didn't care. My sister didn't care. My dad just thought it was more rubbish, like bloody Star Trek, which is always on. <laughs> Your dad. Yeah. Doesn't he like it? He doesn't dislike it. It was just more stuff that I was watching on his television. 
Yeah, and your mum was into it as and well. And she yeah. would support me, you know. <laughs> he'd, why is, he's watching, the t- he's again, like, leave it, I'm watching it. Damn, lost then. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it was, nine, it was on, on, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays at nine o'clock. That is prime dad sitting down to watch television time. Mm. But no, Richard's found another science fiction program to put on. I'm going through the similar thing with you myself now, yeah. <laughs> What's on? Oh, a program about people cooking. I see. Yes, there we go. That was a surprise. I didn't know you'd find another one. There are others, though. You know, and it's it's not that they're bad. It's just you know, it's like I'm not watching my thing. Uh, can't put Question of Sport on. You don't even like Question of Sport. Oh, you mean your dad? I'm being my dad in All that right, situation. Okay. okay. You know, because you know this was. I, I. It's easy to forget this as an adult. So much of your childhood is a bitter war. With your parents over what goes on on that main screen in the living room, I bet it's <laughs> I bet it's far less painful for kids now. Yeah, there's more, you know, more than one TV in the yeah, house. But back when when we were all little, it was our stuff or their stuff. Yeah. And when it was one, it was not the other, and that party was upset. There was very little crossover stuff, but Quantum Leap was one of those. Especially in the days when we had. Uh... Video recorders. Yeah. But you could only record the channel that you were watching anyway. Really? Yeah. That's very early video stuff there. <laughs> yeah. That that had gone away by the time I was recording things. But even then, my father would go to find a blank tape to record something, open that big drawer, because we had one of the units with the video. Did they all say Richard And they all said Richard Star Trek Tape 1, <laughs> Richard Star Trek Tape 2. I've just bought a pack of six tapes. Yeah, that's Richard Star Trek Tape 12 to... 19 there. Sorry, Dad. That's, that was my life. What can I tell you? And it was all a waste of time. I've got them all on DVD now. Sorry, Dad. Yeah. What's Star Trek? What's Star Trek? Do you not do? No, I just uh, I wanted to kind of fry Rich's brain right there. <laughs> I know what you're doing. It doesn't work. <laughs> it, it sounds like we're uh, running out of steam. Without without jumping onto anything bigger and, and without using up everything for the next couple of weeks, I think that's a good place to leave it for now. I think so, too. Yeah. You know. and, and let me tell you, I am itching to talk about those other episodes. So rest assured, there will yeah. be more positive stuff coming. You know, I think with with the shows that we've talked about tonight, we've established the hero. Because even though he's a puppet, he is the hero. But what we love is Al and that thing in his hand. And it's a good adventure. And, yeah, can't wait. I'm going to watch the trilogy episodes now. What time is it? Yeah, I might join you. I've got some editing to do, so, you know, I've got that as well. So we'll see how I feel. Okay. I know. Actually, I don't know. I'm the game on as well. Ignore me. Right. <laughs> I'll edit me out. Sorry. <laughs> so, that yeah, we'll leave it there for this week, I think, and we'll come back to this next week. This show's going well so far, do you think? I like it. I enjoy this show a lot. Me and too. don't tell Kevin and Rowan Omar, but I'm kind of looking forward to this show more than Atomic Trivia Warning oh. these days. Oh my God, is that yeah. true? Wow. Don't tell them. Shh, they won't listen to this anyway. That's amazing. I like that. It yeah, is good, this, excited. isn't it? Well, you get to revisit a little bit of TV that, uh, well, not in this particular case, but some other shows that uh, grew up with. So it's a, a little bit of time travel that way of our own. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Awesome then. Well, I suppose we should say if we'll have an email address for this show. Have I ever given that out? We'll say remote patrol at simply syndicated dot com. Makes if, sense. If you ever want to email us any feedback. It's occurring to me that we're this is the first time we've made a show with absolutely no feedback as we've gone along. 
Yeah, so, yeah that's but, kind of bizarre because we're, we're recording this, what, like uh, three weeks in advance? or Maybe a month and a half in, adv- in advance for five weeks. We've got a few people in the chat room there. Guys, could you let us know what you're thinking of the show so far? That'd be really good. I'll, I'll put up a forum section. It occurs to me I haven't done that. I mean, it will be up by the time you're hearing this as a podcast. Uh, but yeah, there, there's time. And we we technically, we should do a last episode of the season of Remastered at some point. Oh, we should think about that, shouldn't we? Sort of just say, and this is the last one and, and that sort of thing. It'd be uh, like a 30-second episode. Maybe something like that. Although, <laughs> do you know what? There was one topic left on that that I was particularly looking forward to. And we'll it, get to that. Then. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, that maybe get good. to that. Yeah. Um, so, where was I? So, remote patrol at simplysyndicated.com forums at, at simplysyndicated.com slash forum will be a button on the website. Let us know what you think, but if, by the time you tell us, it will be too late to do anything unless you're one of the people listening live right now, which for you podcast people was a month ago. Yeah, if you want to listen live, we tend to record on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, which is going to change in a little while uh, to Eastern Standard. Uh, I'm not sure what that means as far as the time gap, but whatever. Uh, it's right now, as we're talking, it's British summertime. It, it starts at midnight British summer. If you watch our Twitter feed or our Facebook page, you'll get a bit of warning before live shows start anyway. So that's perhaps the best thing to do. It follows on Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website, simplysyndicated.com. Okay, then. Okay. We'll leave it there. All right. So, All right. Cool. We'll catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Have a good one.